Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Drowning in status updates and lost in endless emails? Break free with ClickUp.com, the one app to replace them all. Imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space. No more chaos, just ClickUp. Your projects, tasks, and communication unified at last. Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, everyone. It's Kelsey Kreppel, full-time YouTuber, part-time preschool teacher, and now the host of the podcast Circle Time. Join me every week as me and my guests mix the childlike wonder and conversational openness and acceptance of preschool that we're all nostalgic for with the realism, honesty, and wisdom baked into adulthood. With classroom-structured roots, we'll rehash standout moments of day-to-day life, dive into buzzy pop culture moments, and really just get to know each other on a deeper level. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at Kelsey Kreppel and follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Time. <laughs> hey, bestie, it's Cami Crawford. Relationships are hard, and that's why I'm here. Think of me as your big sister slash audible BFF that you can always trust to give you the real tea. This is my show, Relationship. The advice podcast that covers all relationship topics the good the bad and the straight up shitty need advice send your story to hello at relationshippod.com or dm me at relationship on ig and tune in every friday for new episodes be sure to follow us and subscribe so you don't miss all the hot goss and if you're loving the show please leave us a review talk soon bestie happy friday friends Okay, so today's episode, like, let's just let's just rip the bandaid off. Let's just get right into it. Okay, today's episode is going to be a heavy one. It's going to be a little bit of a heavier topic, but, you know, we can handle it. And I think that it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Unfortunately, in life, there are some things that people go through or that we have to help other people through. And, you know, for a lot of us, domestic violence is one of those topics. And it's hard to be able to navigate it. You know, we can have all the resources in the world, which will be linked in the show notes. But hearing someone's firsthand experience with, you know, surviving domestic abuse is, I think, a very, very important tool so that we can see that it's not just one size fits all. It's not just a statistic. These are real people who go through real shit. And, you know, as someone who has been a friend to people who have been going through these things, there's ways that we can also do better to be able to support our friends and our loved ones who are going through domestic abuse. Today we have my girl, Aisha Perry Iqbal. She is a model and content creator, and she's a domestic violence advocate and survivor. And when you hear her story, I mean, I was like jaw dropped, jaw dropped, but she's so fucking strong and she's incredible. She's, she's really an incredible being and she has an amazing energy. And I'm just so proud of her for overcoming all of this shit and for being here on relationship 
to, you know, talk it through with us and tell us like, what are the signs? What do we need to look out for? If we have a friend who's dealing with this, what do we do? How do we support? And, um, yeah, it's like I said, it's going to be, it's going to be heavy. It's going to be heavy, but this is something that we have to fucking talk about because as Aisha mentions in the episode, like if we don't talk about it, then that's, that's when we get caught the fuck up. That's when we start not understanding what domestic abuse and domestic violence and these fucking perpetrators of domestic abuse look like and what it feels like. We have to talk about it with raw language and we have to be blunt. Um, And if you are dealing with a situation like this, you know, my heart goes out to you. Just know that there is support. You are loved. And there are people, us included, who have your back and want to help you through it. So Take a good listen, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. It's your girl, Cami Crawford. And today, we have Aisha Perry Iqbal. She is a model, a content creator, and an advocate. Aisha, welcome to the podcast, girl. Hi. <laughs> I have not seen you since pre-pandemic. Yes, we're different people now. We are totally The world is a different now. place now. I feel like you had a different hair color last Absolutely, time. Absolutely. I think yeah. I did too. It was much shorter last time. You were different too. Yeah. Times have changed. We've also both hit our 30s. Oh my God, yeah. <gasps> I know. What's your sign? Virgo. <gasps> You're a Scorpio, right? Of course. Bad but I'm bitches. a rising Virgo. So that's why. That's why yeah. we're just bad bitches. Yeah. Scorpios and Virgos need each other. Absolutely. We're the realest bitches of the Zodiac. Sorry to everyone else in the room. I apologize. <laughs> but we we really are. We really are. Absolutely. People don't like to hear what we have to say all the time, but they need it. Yeah. You know, I feel like I lose a lot of friends and a lot of people that potentially liked me because I'm so straightforward. Yeah. I just don't sugarcoat like, anything and then... Yes. And they're like, you're a bitch. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But you needed to know and it would help you if you listened to me. Yes. Right. I have all the gems, honestly. And then they always come back in the end and they're like, you I should have right. listened to you. You were right. How'd you know? I have been telling you for the longest time and nobody wanted to listen. Exactly. Either way, I'm glad that we're finally reunited. Absolutely. It's been a long time coming. Yes. Where have you been in the world? I feel like you've been all over the place. I mean, I worked out last year that I went on nearly 30 flights. So oh my God. That was yeah. a lot of places. Same as you though. Yeah. Just, Always on a plane. Yeah. Never on the ground. Well, like it took me a while to get over the pandemic. Uh-huh. Like it took me a second to like get after 2020. Took me a second in 2021. I feel like I didn't really find my feet. But then last year was like the best year of my life in in every aspect. Yes. I don't know. I really just like found myself. I healed so many things. Things that also had been lingering on for a long time. I just kind of let them go. I went on a really solid fitness journey. I did so many things. I just put me first. Mm. And then I have come into this year now in like the best place I've ever been. So yeah. Yeah. Congrats. That's (laughs) fucking amazing. When did you move to the States? Because you're from Wales. Yes, I'm from Wales. I moved when I was 21, 2011. And how are you? How are you finding it? (laughs) Honestly, it's been a journey. It's been a massive journey. Yeah. I, I came here for college initially. And then after college, I was decided I was going to stay. I don't know why I decided that because I had no plan. Mm. And I was in a whole other country. And, you know, in your 20s, that's when you like find yourself. And yeah. had to do all that learning, but also learning how to live in another country. Right. With a whole completely different culture. Because I know as much as we both speak English and mm-hmm. UK to America, it's a 
whole different it's lifestyle. Totally different. There are so many things about the UK lifestyle that I wish we would adopt here in the US. Yeah. One being no guns, but that's another story. But another is like the lingo. And we were just talking about the lingo and just like how different it is. I filmed a show, well, two shows in Spain for two months over the summer. And I had a makeup artist and a hairstylist who are both from London. Mood. I want to say everything that they say. Swear down. Why can't we can't say that in American like accent? Swear down when someone's like swear, swear down, swear down. Like shut up. Like are you being serious? Like that. But I also feel like when we're angry, it comes yeah. across way more like stern. Yeah. When Americans are angry, it's just kind of like oh, okay. nobody cares. Yeah, girl. Nobody cares if you call someone a cunt <laughs> in the UK. That's like a that's like. A, but here, we're like, oh, she's a cunt. Ugh, it's not the same flair. For sure. <laughs> I want For the sure. flair. Somebody like definitely when, gasped when, like, to listen to that. The lingo Peng Ting came out. Like, yeah. I'm Peng. like, oh, she's Peng. Okay, that's kind of a vibe. Yes. But if an American says Peng, it just no, doesn't, doesn't hit the same. It doesn't. Or Ting, that doesn't hit the same. I like American. taking the piss. Yeah. I wish we could say that, but you can't say, oh, now you're just taking the piss. Ew. Nobody wants to hear yeah, that. But also, the, it's like, if you haven't traveled, which lots of Americans haven't. Yeah. I, even in LA, I've met so many people who don't even have passports and have mm. never even been to the East Coast, which is yeah. crazy to me. So if you haven't traveled, you wouldn't even understand like the way British people put things together yeah. and different things. So bringing it, that's why I've picked up so many American colloquialisms, like don't, you were saying. Don't. Unless we can trade. We can trade them. Sure. Because I want to say taking the piss. Now you're taking the piss. Now you're really taking the piss, bruv. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's my favorite. I just I I just want to be like you guys. I don't know. It's, it's really hard, but I do. I do. Okay. So obviously you have been on this road and path to advocacy, but we were talking about before you became a domestic violence advocate, you were a survivor and still, I mean, still are surviving. So can you tell everyone kind of that story, how that began, where that began and yeah, take us take us on the journey. Well, I have actually been in two abusive relationships back to back. The first one that I was in, I met him in college right when I moved here. Wow. We were kind of just fooling around. I didn't think he was abusive when I first met him. If anything, it was really cool to meet a guy who was also really creative, a guy that was American and was teaching me so many things. It was like a new realm. Mm. And also a guy that was also mixed raced. I grew up in a town where there was just all white people and I felt seen mm. because I was also having my own identity issues, which is a whole other conversation for mixed mm. race people. We ended up getting to a relationship. He was in my life for like maybe five or six years. And initially the abuse, I would say, started with verbal abuse. And he was very controlling. He started controlling what I was wearing. Mm. He started isolating me from my friends and family. And then one day I was at his house and we were in the shower together and I forgot to bring a towel in for myself, which also is just rude. Why wouldn't you bring me a towel? Right. So I got out of the shower and it must have been maybe three or four steps from the shower to where the towels were to grab the towel. And I got some water on the floor and that sent him so far over the edge that he grabbed me and threw me to the other side of the room, like pretty much naked, then picked me up with all my stuff and threw me outside like half-dressed outside of his front door and shut the door on me. And I had never had anything like that, never seen anything like that growing up. I was so shocked. I didn't even know what to do. So I just kind of like put on my clothes and I went downstairs and I was, at the time, I didn't even have a car. I had 
no papers. I just graduated college. And he drove out and put his finger up at me and drove past me and just left me on the side of the road. And I was just dumbfounded. So you go from having this intimate moment in the shower with your boyfriend. You guys were boyfriend and girlfriend at this point. He was your age or he was... He's actually two years younger than me. Wow. So you're in the shower. You're having this intimate moment. I'm assuming you weren't just showering and just like separately, like I mean, not we having were touching, a moment. But we weren't like yeah. having sex or anything. Right. Yeah. But like an intimate moment. Yeah. And then so quickly the flip switches and now you're outside naked and he's flipping you off and driving away from you. Because I got water on the floor. That was the reason. I I don't even know how I processed it. I don't think I did because it didn't take him long after that point to then text me and apologize, blowing up my phone. Mm. In that moment is the exact abuse cycle right there. It goes from love bombing to then they're setting you up with control, then they abuse you, then they go back to the same thing. And it's just, you just get stuck in it. And from that point, it went very quickly downhill with the physical abuse. Mm. It went from that to like pushing and shoving and then very quickly like to strangulation and and really like things where I thought I was going to die. There were moments in that relationship where I thought, that's it. I'm going to just have to like let go. Mm. And I don't know what got me out of it, to be honest with you. I think I just had this something in my in, inside of me that was like, you're not supposed to live this way and you have to do everything you can to get out of this. And it took me like seven times. Wow. To leave, which also I found out is very normal. Yeah. It's like seven to 10 times for women to try and leave their relationships if they're able to get out alive, which is a whole other conversation. Mm. So when I did get out of that relationship, he stalked me. He was outside my apartment, sending me hundreds of emails, phone calls, text messages. Like he broke into my apartment. Whoa. He waited under the stairs for me and grabbed me by the throat. Like when I was coming down the stairs. It was was just a lot of a lot of craziness and I just didn't feel safe. So I packed up all my stuff from where I was living and I put it in my my friend's apartment and I went back to the UK for a few months because I thought, you know what? Yeah, need like a break. I filed a restraining order with against him and the judge didn't give me my restraining order. She actually said to me in the courtroom next to him and he laughed in my face when this happened. She was like, you seem like a really strong girl. You'll get over it. When a I, woman, a woman a judge woman said judge, this to you. And at the time, I was a bit like, oh, my, I'm going to die now. Like, that's it. He's going to kill me. But then at the same time, it's like I'm coming in with stacks of evidence. Like, you slipped five vertebrae in my neck and back. I've been in hospital. I've had to go through rehab on my spine. Like, I have multiple injuries on top of you stalking me for months, threatening my life. But that's not enough to get a restraining order, which actually a restraining order doesn't even really help you. Right. So where is the help in the system? It's like insane to me. Well, I heard even for like a lifetime restraining order takes even more work. If you want to get someone banned from being in your space for life after they've done horrific things to you. So what what did she say about the evidence? She kind of just disregarded. She was it was like she was interrogating me. Felt like I mm. was on trial because I was asking for a restraining order. And if I went into the courtroom now, I've had seven years of therapy. Mm. I'm very good at speaking and I could stand up for myself. My strength is back at the time. I was abused. Right. I, I, when I was feeling like I was getting abused by the system as well. Mm. And I'm really outspoken and I'm a really strong person. So I can't even imagine people who have language barriers mm. who also just feel controlled by also their family or their partner's families. And you have kids involved. Like, what are they supposed to do? Right. Right. 
I think, but that I think is very telling just of women. Obviously, we can acknowledge that people get abused, men, women, non-binary, whatever the case may be, people get abused. But in cases of women, which is what we're talking about right now, of women being abused, it's too often that so much blame is put on the woman for the situation that is happening around her and not something they'll be like, how did you get yourself into this situation? How did I get myself into a situation? Well, why didn't you leave? Yeah, that's always the question. But that's not the problem. Right. Why are you abusing women? Right. Why are you putting your hands on women? Why are you sexually assaulting women? Why are you trying to control them? Mm. And also, I think people also miss that even when you're in an abusive relationship, you're not necessarily getting physically or sexually abused. Mm. Mm-hmm. There is women everywhere probably right now that are being manipulated, yeah. controlled, verbally abused by their partners and they don't think they're being yeah. relationship, but it is. Yeah. No, it's true. I, there are women everywhere who are being emotionally abused as we speak. And there are also women who physically abuse men that they're in relationships with and don't think that that's abuse because they're like, well, you're a man. Like, And then men don't come forward and say that they're being abused. I feel like as many resources as there are, there's so much shame around domestic violence that I think the shame alone keeps people from speaking out. That depends. There is shame publicly. Mm -hmm. There's also shame culturally, Mm. socially. It really depends on your particular circumstance. Like for me, I, my dad is Muslim. Mm-hmm. I'm half Pakistani. So if I had grown up in a Muslim household, I don't know if I would have had the, in the Muslim community, it's very taboo to talk about your relationship in mm-hmm. general. Mm-hmm. I feel like that happens in the Caribbean communities yeah. also. Like yes. if something's happening to you, you don't air your dirty laundry out yes. there. And absolutely not. The yes. community is very close. They talk to each other. So keep it shtum. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, like, how dare you go against your husband? Mm -hmm. This man who has taken you on because you're so lucky to get a husband. Someone wanted to marry you. Mm. And this is like generations old, like, culture. So it doesn't surprise me that people don't want to speak out. Because you also might lose your entire community, everything because you stood up against your abuser. Right. And they know that. That's why they, that's why they're able to get away with it. Right. Do you feel like you were mind controlled by him? Absolutely. I was a shadow of a person. That's the best way to put it. Mm. I, after I left the relationship, it was so interesting. Like the first bout of what it's like to leave abuse and you feel like you're kind of just in shock. Mm-hmm. And then you like go around. And the first time I went to a restaurant and I picked what I wanted to eat, I sat there and cried. Wow. I was like, oh my God, I'm picking what I want to eat and nobody's going to tell me anything. Because he would tell you what you were going to eat? He would just decide everything. Or he would say something to me if I didn't eat what he wanted to eat. Or he would say things about my body, like in so many aspects. He gave me, ins- he bestowed insecurities onto me that I didn't even have. Mm. Because, but then I realized it's all a projection of what he thinks about his self. Right. If he's talking about weight, it's because about his own weight he's worried about, not about me. Mm, mm-hmm. But like misery loves company. Yeah. Yeah. And also for men, they don't have safe spaces to talk about their feelings. They don't have safe spaces to figure out what their anger is. Right. And how to channel it in ways that are healthy for them. Yeah. So because of that, if they've had multiple traumas in their childhood, they just get to a point where they're just so angry about everything and it's 
kind of inevitable that they're going to take it out on the person closest to them, which is usually an intimate partner or multiple intimate partners. And it just gets worse over time because Mm. nobody holds them accountable. Do you know if he witnessed abuse in his family growing up? His father wasn't present. His Mm. mom was with his stepdad and his stepdad was very verbally abusive to his mom. Mm. And I think that he grew up very angry towards his stepdad, but also it seems that his, him and his mom have a very twisted relationship. I can't really put my finger on mm. what it is, but the way she enabled his behavior, knowing that he's abusive hmm. and did not, the times that I went to her and she just brushed me off. See, that's that shit because I feel, I know in my fucking heart of hearts, future sons, daughters, I don't give a fuck, but my future sons, If a girl comes to me and tells me that you laid one fucking, you will never have another finger. You will never have another finger. I will fuck you up. And I'm saying that on the record. Yes. CPS, call me in advance. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Call you in advance. I will fuck you up. There are so many enabling moms in these situations because what I've noticed, it's like if they've never had better, they don't think that you deserve better than what it is that they've had. They've never had a, a better situation with a man in their life. So why should you have one? But also think of it like this, right? If she's also been abused previously, mm-hmm. I don't know her full story. Mm-hmm. So I can't speak on that. But for example, say she's been abused previously and then she's had a son. And that's the only man that's ever loved her. Mm. And then there becomes this weird twisted bond, which happens in Ooh. lots of scenarios. Then the child grows up and she sees him in a way that's not healthy for mother and son. Yeah. Not saying that she's attracted to him or anything, but there's a weird like bond mm-hmm. because he's her reason for happiness. He's her reason for living, all of these things. So she puts a lot of pressure on him. Then he ends up being angry and abusive for whatever reason. She's not then going to go against the only happiness that's been in her life, the only man. They just enable the behavior. And it's just so crazy to me. Yeah. It's so crazy to me. It's disgusting. I but, can't believe that. But also judge. like what you said about your own, if you ever had a son. Yeah. You wouldn't raise them no. to even think that that's appropriate. You no. would raise them as a feminist. You yes. would raise them knowing how to love themselves and how to communicate their emotions in mm-hmm. safe spaces and set boundaries and regulate their anger. That You would do that for them so then they wouldn't even grow up to be in those positions. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And that's like the only way to stop the cycle. Absolutely. I feel like it just keeps on going. And I'm sure in these situations when he's apologizing to you, he's also saying that he's going to get help. No, he never said that he was going to get help. It was more so it was more so like this is just how I am. I'm just I just have all these issues and like, woe is me. Oh, yeah. And then you feel sorry for them because Uh you think that it will get better and you hope that it will. Mm. But then the hope runs out when they're stamping on your face and you think that you're going to die. So Jesus Christ. And it was after that situation. I mean, obviously, you you knew that your life was in danger if you stay with this person. So would you say that was like the final straw of it? I don't know what switched. He sent me he sent me a message that I will never forget. And it actually caused me a lot of issues in in future relationships. He said, no man's ever going to love you. They're always going to use and abuse you. And any man is only going to ever want you for sex like because you're not worth anything. That's like a roundup of what he said. That message, and he said much worse things to me. He's done much worse things to me. But it was just like something inside just went, nope, Mm. never going back. All right, y'all. I got a funky little secret to share. I sweat a lot. 
like a lot, a lot. Like sometimes I'm like, why? You know, why? And if I get anxious or if I have something big coming up and I'm just, I start perspiring. I just start perspiring from everywhere. But you know what? We can put a stop to the stench. And that's why I love Nez. Nez is a new, clean, aluminum-free, dermatologist-tested deodorant brand. Nez deodorants are customized for different occasions because your body creates different types of sweat. Stress sweat is totally different and even comes from a different type of sweat gland than movement or heat-based sweat. Did you know that? So if you're going into a big meeting that's stressful, you should be wearing a different deodorant than if you're about to hit the gym. Why has deodorant always been so one-size-fits-all? Who knows? But Nez is customized for your different sweat moments and available in workout sesh, board meeting, and date ready. Nez gives you the right sweat protection and the right fragrance at the right time. Nez deodorant's fragrances smell so good, and these deodorants actually work. They're also packaged in mini sizes so that you can have them on the go in every bag while you're traveling. You can build your perfect bundle of three Nez mini deodorants tailored to your life and sweat moments. Visit nezcare.com and use promo code CAMI at checkout for 10% off of your entire order. That's N-E-Z-C-A-R-E.com and use promo code CAMI for 10% off of your entire order. Promo code valid through June 30th of 2023. So make sure you use it. All right, let's get back to the show. Y'all, I really feel like I'm turning into a little bit of a wellness girly these days. You know, if you know, you know, wellness is more than just nutrition and exercise. It's physical, mental, and emotional. Now, if you want to get to the next level of wellness, CBD can help. But your average CBD oil just won't cut it. Next Evo Naturals developed SmartSorb technology clinically proven to help your body absorb CBD four times better than regular CBD oil. Because oil just doesn't mix with your water-based body. Now, I love CBD and I've been using it for years. You know, a nice topical cream can help if my muscles are feeling sore. If I'm having difficulty sleeping, you know, a nice gummy can help. And that's why I love Next Evo Naturals, because it works faster. And when you need to de-stress, sleep better, or recover from an intense workout, you'll want to reach for Next Evo Naturals capsules, gummies, mints, and topical creams. And my muscles get so fatigued and sore after a workout that a nice topical cream from Next Evo Naturals really does the trick. Next Evo is CBD at its full potential, so you can be too. Their all-natural products are backed by more scientific studies than any other CBD brand. It's vegan, GMO-free, gluten-free, THC-free capsules, and gummies derived from 100% U.S.-grown hemp. Make CBD a part of reaching your full potential. Try Next Evo Naturals, capsules, gummies, mints, and topical creams with SmartSorb technology clinically proven to be better absorbed by your body. Get 20% off of your first order of $40 or more at nextevo.com slash podcast and use promo code CAMI. That's 20% off at nextevo.com slash podcast, promo code CAMI. All right, friends, we're chilling out and we're getting back to the podcast. One thing that I've seen but also gets talked about a lot is like the history that a lot of women who have been abused have of dating other men who are abusive. People will say things like, oh, well, that's her type. It all falls back on the woman at some point in time in these conversations for whatever fucking reason. How would you say that you then went on to be in another relationship with someone who was like this? Were there different warning signs or were they the same? completely different. Because there's different types of abusers. Yeah. This is my first time dealing with like a full-blown narcissist. Mm. 
This guy was in the UK, which also drew me to him because he was British. And I thought, this is a safe space. Yeah. He's also British. Like, he just gets me on levels that, like, an American guy would never get me on. Mm-hmm. I think I'd also come back. A lot of my friends and family were just like, you need to start dating again. It'd be good for you. How long was this after the last relationship? We'd actually physically broken up nearly a year before this. But the court case for yeah. the restraining order was like, a few months before so I wasn't mm. and it takes years to get over this I was I knew I wasn't ready for a relationship but he just swooped in love bombed the shit out of me mm. made all my friends and family love him to the point that like even if I said he was doing something wrong I don't know if they would have believed me mm. I was like Ooh, and I felt like just stuck but the good thing, the good thing about it was I did learn a lot in that year before. So there were a lot of things that I was like, okay, this is a red flag, red flag. Yeah. And because we weren't living in the same country, I then came back to the US and he was still in the UK. The long distance gave me space to be able to be to clock his behavior. Mm. So he was doing a lot of silent treatment stuff, trying to really get me under control. So I let him believe that that was the case, but I was a few steps ahead of him. Uh-huh. And then when I went home to the UK, I think it was like the last month of our relationship. It was really random. We were just at, we were out somewhere. We didn't even really get into it. I kind of said something to him that I didn't really like. And he was like, you can leave now and just kind of like shoved me off. So I went home, got on the bus. He followed me to the bus. In the bus, he started screaming at me. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, don't say anything because you're really triggered right now. Mm. And I also just go in like this. Yeah. Were you feeling like, oh, it's happening again? I didn't know. I didn't know if it was happening again. This was in public. My ex-partner never hit me in public. Mm. So I was like, okay, we're in public. I am safe. Wasn't safe. He, because I wasn't answering him and I was just sitting there and I was like, it'll die down. Yeah. He started punching me in the face in the bus in front of everyone. And the bus driver stopped the bus and I managed to run out. And he just ran after me. Then he ended up taking off his shoe and like slamming me in the face with it. And there was just this moment where I was like, I will never put up with this again. And I just Mm. flipped and I started hitting him back. Mm. And I didn't think that I was ever going to get to a point where I'm like, absolutely not. Like in the year that I had been separated from my previous partner, I was training MMA. I was Mm. going to boxing, things that are really great for survivors to get your power back and your strength. And I just felt like, strong and I just turned around smacked him knocked him down I was like I'm never gonna put up with this again called the police went to the police station I told them everything that happened got him arrested got my restraining order wow it's a whole different system in the UK they're they're much more on it they have advocates right away like they they were really great and then yeah I just let that was the last time I ever talked to him wow I'm like what and I I was so embarrassed that's what people don't really talk about like multiple dealings with abuse you get so embarrassed and you think oh my god everyone's looking at me Mm. like it's my fault and it is my fault because how did I get myself into a second situation how didn't I see this was going to happen and everyone else liked him like you just it's this awful feeling like you said the face of abuse looks different on every person everyone Mm -hmm. is different and he had a completely different tactic he wasn't isolating you from all of your friends and family he was getting to know them and getting them to trust mirror in them so they liked him because they liked uh, themselves oh man but actually when i really think about it my first boyfriend was very angry mm. and he could have got into a violent rage and potentially killed me i think it would have got to that point if i hadn't got out but 
The second boyfriend was so calculated and menacing that it was actually more scary. Mm. So I'm like, he would be the type that would like be calculated and calm and then be setting up the time and just go for it. Mm. That to me was a bit like, ooh. Not that either of them are okay, because I'm yeah. absolutely not. But yeah. Oof. And then you think, oh my God, that person's been intimate with me. That yeah. I trusted that person as my boyfriend. No, that, I mean, back to back like that had to have taken serious time and therapy. And what would you say is like the biggest thing that you learned about that situation, but also about yourself throughout that therapy journey to where you are now? I've had so many big yeses when it comes to therapy and they're all in different aspects. But I think I've learned, which I just put on TikTok the other day, like you have to set boundaries. Mm. You have to set boundaries with everyone in your life. And if you're able to then do that in your workspace and your friendships, it enables you to have solid, healthy relationships in your life in general, which makes you happier and healthier as a person. Mm -hmm. Then you're fulfilled. And you, nobody's taking advantage of you to yeah. the point that when you start dating intimate partners, you're able to be like, well, all of my life is put together. Mm -hmm. So actually, if you're going to come into my life, you have to really add something. Yes. You can't just be in my life because I'm lonely or I'm, I'm having a missing space. And I think that's what's been the biggest thing because the boundary thing has come in so many things for me. Yeah, yeah. From someone who's experienced it, what do you think are the true warning signs outside of the things that people talk about? Because I think isolation is one that... That's over time. Over time. But it's also like when you're starting to date somebody, you want to spend a lot of time with them. But then it's different when someone's like telling you, oh, your friends are not your friends. Your mom doesn't really care about you. These people like those. That's like... The it's not even as bad as that sometimes. Sometimes it's just like with isolation, it can be like... Oh, babe, I'm going to go out with my friends. Oh, but I really wanted to spend time with you. I'd mm. set up for us to do this. And like, now you want to go do that? Yeah. Oh, please, babe. And then when that happens, that's happening every single mm. time you ask. You start to just forget that you, you want to spend time with your friends and stuff. And then, boom, you're isolated. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be... Because I've, I've been through that in relationships where it's not like... I don't know if I would say that it's abuse, but it's definitely emotional manipulation. When it comes with multiple other things, yes, yes it is abuse. Yes. On, as a singular thing, yeah. not necessarily. Yeah. But emotional ma manipulation, just like that, where you, I stopped making plans with people. I stopped making plans. I stopped hanging out with my friends. I stopped doing it because anytime I would, it would be like, well, I only have this amount of time to hang out. And like, if you can't do this on my time, then it must not be that important to you or you must not really care. And it's like, okay, well. Which also means you're devaluing my life, my mm -hmm. goals, my work schedule, everything, yeah. because everything's on your time and when you're available. But then I started devaluing those things. And I started to think that those things were not that important, even though it was my shit. It wasn't as important as his shit because his shit was the most important thing in the world. Because if his shit's not right, then our relationship nothing is right. Like, nothing is right. And it's it's the slight things. And even that, is not what you deserve to feel from a partner. Like no matter no matter what, but like looking at shit like that and being like, okay, this is this is a huge red flag. It may not get to the other side of the spectrum, but even still, it's not okay. Like I think we just I think we as a society 
and culturally and just as a whole, I feel like we just accept so many things as, well, this is like, this is what everybody goes through. Like when you were in these relationships, did you feel like other people that you knew or were close to were going through the same thing? Or did you feel like you were completely isolated? I felt isolated because I didn't tell anyone. Mm. I, I've hit it to all my friends. I'm obviously far away from my family. So I started to stop picking up. I stopped picking up the phone to my mom, especially when I had bruises and stuff, didn't pick up to her. So yeah, he isolated me. And then on top of it, at the time was right at the height of my modeling career. Mm. So there was, I remember one specific time I went on set for Forever 21. And the night before he'd punched me in the face and he'd sliced my cheek from here to here. And I went on to set and I said to the makeup artist, oh my God, I was with my roommate last night. We were trying to put up a shelf and it like dropped and it just hit the side of my face. And I've cut it. Can you, before everyone else comes in, can you cover it? She's like, yeah, absolutely. Cover it. No problem. And what I didn't wow. notice was because that happened the night before. I was disheveled. Got myself to set. I didn't realize I had bruises all under my arms too from where he was grabbing me. So mm. then when I went on to set, I managed to cover that. I went on to set. My stylist who had been with me for over a year at this point, working with me all the time. And he, I think he just knew because he's seeing me over and over and you're seeing me naked all the time. So mm -hmm. there's no way you didn't notice bruises constantly. And I took my top off and it was there and he saw the bruises and he said, what is going on? What is going on? And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, look at your arms. And I looked in the mirror and I like, my eyes started filling up and he was like, leave him. Really? And I just didn't say anything. I just didn't even explain nothing. I just said nothing. And he never said anything else to me about it. But I was just like, wow. Was that the first time you felt like, oh my God, like the secret's out? I just thought I'm going to lose my whole career because of this. You thought he was going to tell someone? I just thought my whole career is just going to go to shit because if people are starting to notice now, there's only so long that you can hide it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I feel like I am my best self, like in my highest form, vibrating at the highest possible frequency. When I am doing things for myself, it makes such a difference. For me, therapy has changed the game for me, and it just feels like that one hour out of the week when I can just dedicate time to me. And when you're at your best, you can do great things. But sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel overwhelmed or like you're not showing up in the way that you want to. Working with a therapist can get you closer to being the best version of you. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. You guys know how much therapy has changed the game for me. It has really just opened my mind and having an outside perspective helps so much, especially when you're going through it. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash cami today and get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash cami. Now, if you give BetterHelp a try, definitely let me know how it's worked out for you. I can't speak higher about therapy and what it's done for me. So I just, I really want to be able to give you guys that gift. So I hope that you try it out and let me know how it goes. I need your advice on this because I have friends, I have people in my family, I have people who have been through these situations. And as much as I want to air shit out about people in defense of the people that I love, it doesn't feel like it's my story to tell almost 
like what would you say to the to the friends and families and people who are trying to help people? And I've come to you before about this. I've been like someone that I love is going through this. What do I do? What would you say to people who are trying to support and want to do what the fuck they want to do, but are also in fear that it might make it worse for the person who's in the situation? I think one, it's realizing that if somebody comes to you with an abuse story and they're close to you, you have to listen without judgment. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that. Well, I would do this because you have no idea. You will never know what it's like to stand in her shoes, what she might be telling you. There's a million things that she will never tell you that have gone into that moment. Yeah. So what you would have done in this story, you have no idea. So that's the first thing. Definitely a listening ear. Secondly, I would say find if they need shelter, if they need lawyers or whatever. There's so many resources online, which I think you should maybe tag at the end of this. Yes, 1000%. Each area, there's different shelters and organizations. So it's depending on your state and your your county. Mm -hmm. But even the domestic violence helpline for friends and family or co-workers, there's so much information on there on like specific things you can do. Also, if they're trying to leave the scenario and they live with a partner, there's a safety plan that you can set up, Mm. which is really, really important. What I did with my friends was I had like a trigger word where I would text the trigger word or call it and they would know. This was after I started telling people. Yeah. And I was getting out of the relationship. So then they know and the safety plan's already been set up between you guys. If you live with your partner, it should be like a safety bag where it has your documentation that you might need also if you can, or ask the person that you really trust who's going to have the safety word to help you set up another bank account or have cash on hand that your abuser doesn't know about. Mm -hmm. Then also a set of clothes, any like keys or whatever, whatever like specifics you need, valuables. And that bag either is with the person that you're trusting or it's somewhere safe in the place that you live where it's quick and you can grab and go. Yeah. And then also the exit plan. So who's picking you up and where are you going after that pickup? Mm -hmm. So if whether it's to a shelter, whether it's to that person's house, which is safe for you. What I did in in a lot of scenarios with my ex-partner was I had one guy friend who my partner didn't know that I was friends with him. Mm -hmm. And he didn't know where he lived. I think he knew that he was around, but he, and we weren't intimate for me and this guy, but I went to him so many times and I felt safe at his house because I knew that my partner didn't know his address. If I'd gone to one of my girlfriends, he knew all their houses. He, he would have been there by. straight away. He would have called them and mm. intimidated them. This guy was such an important piece in the puzzle for me. Mm. Like he came and he never put me in a position where he was telling me what I needed to do. Like if I came there with a busted face, he would clean me up, give mm. me some clothes, put me into bed, give me some food, like things that I needed at the time Yeah, because I didn't have the answers to leave. Yeah. So I think like those things, are those people are really important in the scenario for it all. And then once you leave from there, it's really, you have to have a system where it's like, we're going to the police. We're doing mm-hmm. this. We're doing that, even though it's very hard to trust the police. But, mm-hmm. but then outing people or coming at them in frustration for your loved one. I had one girlfriend. I came into a restaurant and she was there and she knew that he was putting his hands on me. She started on him in the restaurant, embarrassed me, first of all, mm. but she went crazy on him because she loved me. Yeah. And she wanted to protect me and she wanted to show him she has people around her right. that will look after her. It didn't help me. He took he took me home and beat the shit out of me, mm. which 
that wouldn't have necessarily happened if she hadn't done that. She didn't realize the danger she was putting me in because right. of that. And that's the problem with outing people or saying things when it's not your story to tell. Mm-hmm. It's not for you to make those decisions. So mm-hmm. it's a hard process supporting a survivor because they're very manipulated. Yeah. It's like Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. But listening without judgment, if you cannot do anything else, that could save somebody's life. Yeah. No matter how many times you have to listen. It takes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so messed up. You have to play. You have to play. They're playing mind games on you. Then you have to play mind games on them. Then you have to play games with the system to get them to believe that you're a victim, especially if you're an ethnic minority. Mm. And the darker your skin is, the worse it is for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And if you're a woman with dark skin as well, makes you like, yeah, nobody cares. Yeah. So it's and then like, you have to play mind games with yourself to be like, no, I don't want them. No, I don't want to talk to them. No, I, what they've said to me is not real. Like, it's not true. I'm I am beautiful. I am worth this. I am like. And then you're also traumatized. Yeah. You might also have kids in the situation. Your parents don't stand by you. Their parents might not stand by you. There's so many things. Your friends might have left you because they might be sick of hearing it. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, all I have to rely on is me. And I didn't even put myself in this scenario. Yeah. I'm not the problem here. Yeah. And then the men who are powerful mm-hmm. and have money. That's it's, a whole different. Yeah. No, it fucking is. We didn't even get to the listener questions, but I feel like this alone is so helpful. And like you've helped so many people by even coming here. So thank you so much. Of course. What would you say is like your biggest word of wisdom or piece of advice to people who are currently in a domestic violence situation trying to get out of it? Mm. You're enough. Your abuse doesn't define you. Anything they're saying to you is not right. It's not correct. That's not true. It's all a lie. And also, if you just take the steps to walk away, there is so much happiness outside of abuse. And that's coming from someone who has physically seen it. Mm. There is light at the end of the tunnel. There is happy, healthy relationships in your future. Everything that you could want, everything you dream of is in your future if you just take that hard step to do it. Yeah. And the more girls start doing that, the less likely men are to be like, oh, I'm going to just keep doing this. Yeah. Women have to stick together and be like, absolutely. Yeah. No, you're right. And I appreciate your real rawness because that's how we do shit around here. (laughs) And it's important. It's important. I feel like the less we talk about things, the less that other people can really see themselves in situations that they might be in currently. Like you have to hear it to know that you're not crazy. You're not the only one. You're not alone. And that there is life, like you said, on the other side of this. Right. So if people want to find out more about your life and the fabulosity that it is and everything that you're doing, where can they find you? You can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Aisha P.I. At Aisha P.I. She's everywhere, y'all. And you talk about these things all the time. Mm -hmm. And you really are an advocate. And I commend you. I applaud you because it's not it's not an easy thing to talk about. And we know people who can't or won't or are too afraid to. And the fact that you're out here speaking your truth and helping so many people. Well, this is how change gets made. Yeah, exactly. To me, obviously, I would want women to walk away from bad relationships. But at this point where I plan on things going, This is about changing laws. This is Mm. about making real significant impact for women because violence against women is not going to stop. Yeah. 
in in so many aspects, not just intimate partner relationships. Yeah, we see it. We see it on the news. And it's like normalized at this point. Right. And it, there needs to be people to come together to stand up and actually make change. Hard conversations. Yeah. You have to have hard conversations. And whoever's willing to have those, I'm there. Yeah. Book her. <laughs> Book her, okay? And we're going to leave any kind of hotline information, yes. any kind of anything we can, any resources, we're going to put them in the show notes. So if you're dealing with this right now, call that number, okay? Call a friend, get that plan in place. And for the friends, myself included, we got to be patient and we have to be just love on just love on your people because that's that's all we can do right now. Thank you so much, Aisha. Thanks so much, girl. (laughs) Bye, guys. Thank you so much for listening. You can catch a new episode of Relationship every single Friday. Make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss any of the action. And I want to hear from you. So please, if you love the show, leave us a review. But by review, you know I only need five stars only. And let us know what you think. Make sure you follow us on socials at Relationship on Instagram and at Relationship Pod on Twitter. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye, bestie. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.